Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. Um, I'm so glad that you're here and uh, get to, to see your faces. Um, my name is Ron. I'm a pastor up in Prescott, Arizona. Um, that's why I have a sweater on. <laughs> and uh, um, But I actually was on staff here at Cornerstone um, about 10 years ago, so it's been a long time. But coming home here is always like coming home to friends and family, so I could not be happier to to be with you here this morning. Um, also like to just welcome all of you that are joining us at the Santan campus or Scottsdale or overflow venues or online or the five o'clock service later or anywhere on the planet that this is reaching out. We are, are glad that you're a part of our greater, greater family. Um, any of you ever do anything dumb? <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm in good company. I've made a habit of it, it turns out. I'm really good at it. Uh, when I was a youth pastor working with students, there was this one kid that I met named Carson, and we kind of became uh, good buddies, and he was like a little brother to me. It took a long time to break through uh, his personality, but once we did, it was just really, really cool. And uh, But then I ended up moving on. And so it had been a couple of years, time and distance, and and had just separated us. And I was really missing Carson. And so just out of the blue, I called him up one day. At this point, he's in, you know, late high school. I called him up, and I just said, hey, I just wanted to call and just say that I missed you and catch up and see how you're doing. The cool part was, like, it was no time had passed. We just caught right up, and it was such a blessing. And at the end of the conversation, though, he just he gripped my heart. He said, Ron... I just want to let you know that, that you mean a lot to me still, and, and I really love you. And when he said that, like, I love you, I just, I can't even describe, my heart just kind of swelled up. I'm going, oh man, Carson loves me. That's, that's so cool. Except I'm a guy, so I couldn't respond that way. And so I just said, oh, cool, thanks, buddy. And I hung up. But I was so excited. So I wasn't with my wife at the time and I wanted to let her know. So I pulled out my cell phone back out and I began to text my wife. Guess what? Carson said he loves me. I called him. You won't believe it. Carson, of all people, Carson said he loves me. That made my whole year. Carson loves me. Triple exclamation point. Hit send. Just as I notice it disappearing into the digital universe, I recognized I'd accidentally sent the text message to Carson. If you are a full-grown man texting your excitement over the love expressed to you by a teenage boy... Well, you can get arrested for that. (laughs) It's also really creepy. I had to call him back, super humiliated. I'm sorry. Not a child molester. I just really love you, and that meant a lot. Bye. Click. It, It was crazy. You know, there's those times where you do something goofy to somebody else, and, uh, and that's one thing. It's an entirely different thing when, when you don't just do something goofy to somebody. You, you do something downright hurtful. You do something that, uh, that leaves a mark, that, that leaves some damage. 
It's one thing for us to come around the idea that we, we need forgiveness at times. But it's, it's a really important thing for us to understand that sometimes we don't just need forgiveness. We need to seek forgiveness from other people. This toxic series that you've been going through for the last couple of weeks, we're wrapping it up this morning. And Pastor Lynn opened it up that first week with the idea that because of who Jesus is and what he's done on behalf, we're, we are a forgiven people. Amen. And we, we can live guilt free and burden free because God has indeed forgiven us when we put our faith and trust in him. Last week, he unpacked the idea a little further that the kind of the natural overflow of being forgiven by God is that then we need to be people who are, are quick to forgive others. And that that can be a freeing experience in and of itself as we just forgive other people that have hurt us. But where we're landing this morning is this idea of, of just how important it is to seek forgiveness, ask for forgiveness from other people. If you're familiar with kind of the recovery and addiction community, they they talk about it in terms of, of making amends with other people. There comes a moment in your life where, where you recognize that you have indeed hurt someone with words that you've said or things that you have done. And when you get to those moments, it takes an awful lot of humility but it's really, really powerful and it's really, really appropriate to, to see what forgiveness can do in that moment where you go to somebody and, and you acknowledge, I know that I hurt you. I know that I did something that has caused damage to you. And so, so would you please forgive me and watching what, what God can do in the midst of your humility in a moment like that is huge. Here's the, here's the crux of the issue. God values restoring relationships more than he does any sort of religious activity. God really has a high value on restoring relationships. He's got a high value on fixing broken relationships. He proved that when he sent his son to reconcile the relationship between us and and him. Jesus came to fix a broken relationship with our heavenly father. And then in so doing, he he gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. that, That as he values fixing broken relationships, now he's given you and I, followers of Jesus... The ministry of reconciliation, fixing broken relationships with, with people around us. And so for some of us, we've got to come around that idea that there might be someone in our recent past or our past far off who desperately needs to hear the words come out of our mouths, I'm sorry. And, and I need to ask your forgiveness. I'm seeking that. I'm trying to make amends. If you have your Bible this morning, would you open up to the book of Matthew and go to Matthew and go to chapter five. First book in the New Testament. If you're not real familiar, go to Matthew, go to chapter five and jump down to verse 23. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. And these are the words of, of Jesus himself right here. He says, therefore, if, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, what Jesus is driving at here is is, is the relationships that you and I have with each other always trump any sort of religious activity. God has a tremendous value on seeing broken relationships fixed. And he wants us to be a, a healing agent in our relationships as followers of Jesus. And this comes from his Sermon on the Mount. This is a, a famous sermon that Jesus would have probably preached more than once. It was a foundational sermon for him to teach what, what it looked like to follow Jesus. And so to multiple crowds at multiple opportunities he had, he would, he would teach this particular message here because it was so foundational for people to understand this is what people who belong to the kingdom of God should look like. And at this point in the sermon, he's speaking an awful lot to relationally speaking, what should we look like? What should we look like when we do wrong to other people or have wrong done to us? He says, if you ever get to a moment where you're coming to, to worship God and you're ready to present your offering to him, and you're a part of that religious activity. And you get there and you show up and then you remember, my, my brother or sister has something against me. I've got a friend or a family member that, that I know that I've hurt. I've got some relationship that I, that I know is broken and I, I may be the one to blame here. Then what Jesus says is, Getting right with that person comes before your religious activity. Getting right with other people, fixing broken relationships is so key. It's so huge and it's so important. He says, so if that hits you, then leave your gift there at the altar. And then first, go get right with that person. First, go try to make amends. First, Go seek forgiveness. Ask forgiveness for what you have done. And then once you've done that, then you can come back. Once you've done that, then you can come back and proceed with your, your duties in worship. But relationship comes before religious activity all day long. Don't forget it. See, what Jesus knew is is when, when you and I come into a relationship with God through Jesus, there's a, there's a fundamental shift that should take place. And that is we go from being hurt people to being healed people. Amen? When, when we come into a relationship with God through Jesus, we move from being 
people that have been hurt by sin, our sin, the sins of other people. And we, we become healed people, restored people, transformed people, different people. But Jesus doesn't want our journey to end there, just moving from, I was hurt and now I'm healed. He also wants us to move from being herders of people to being healers of people. That we would ourselves go, I've, I've been hurt by sin. I've experienced that, that toxic thing of the consequences of sin and, and how it becomes toxic and poisonous and it permeates my soul and then it spills out to on to other people. I've experienced that level of toxicity. But I've also now come to experience what the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God can do in clearing up that poison, clearing up that toxin. And so now I also, I don't want to inflict hurt. I don't want to keep inflicting poison. I don't want to keep spreading toxin. I want to be one that is used of God to bring healing instead of more hurt. I was talking to Pastor Lynn on the phone last week. We were trading war stories about our elementary school years. He said when he was in sixth grade... These bullies came up and quartered him at the beginning of the day before he ever even got into class. And one of them in particular, the, the ringleader of the group, was a kid named Greg. And, and, and Lynn said that he can still to this day remember the hurtful words that those bullies said to him that day. It was so bad that he ran back home and, and skipped school entirely that day. When his mom got back and recognized that he was there, she asked what happened. She got upset. She went to the school. And told him what had happened. And the school did something about it to the bullies. But as you would imagine, it made it worse on Pastor Lynn than better. And for the next couple of years, these kids continued to tease and bully and and hurt your pastor. What blew Lynn's mind, though, was, you know, by the time late high school had, had rolled around, Greg and Lynn hadn't seen each other in a significant amount of time. And word got back to Pastor Lynn that Greg had become a Christian. And what's more, Greg had, had, was now leading a campus ministry and God was doing a whole lot of phenomenal things through him. And that, that triggered memory in my mind when I was in elementary school. I got beat up silly on the playground one day by this kid named Shane. And I, I still remember the words that he said and I still remember how bad my stomach and my nose hurt. I can still remember. And it blew me away then also to hear a number of years later, not only did Shane become a follower of Jesus, but Shane is now a pastor somewhere. We're all a bunch of really messed up people, by the way. (laughs) And so there's one side where Greg and Shane had been freed and forgiven by Almighty God. And I thank God for that. There's the other side, though, that long before they came to faith, They had inflicted some harm on Pastor Lynn, on me. I I don't know. I don't know that Greg even knew what he was doing at the time. I don't know that that he even remembered or or had a clue about how to get back to Lynn and, and ask for forgiveness. 
But it's hard to reconcile the two sometimes. I don't know how many people I hurt by things I said or things I did before I came to Jesus. How about you? I don't even know how many people that I hurt with things I said or did since I came to Jesus. But I can think of a few. And I've got to start with the ones that I do know about. And I've got to start by asking for their forgiveness. Some of you in this room, it was a train wreck of a life before you came to Jesus. And, and you hurt an awful lot of people. And yet, by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God, you're freed, you're cleansed, you're loved by the God of the universe. Praise be to God for that. That's fantastic. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And yet, the fact that today you are freed and forgiven may not mean that somebody in your past that you hurt is still not feeling the sting of something that you said or that you did. And so now as a follower of Jesus, for you to go make amends, for you to go seek forgiveness and, and try to reconcile that broken relationship, that is entirely appropriate. That's something that a follower of Jesus would do. And I think when you do that, I think there's a bunch of amazing things that can happen. I think two of them in particular. One is, if you seek forgiveness from somebody else, if you, if you try to make amends for something to someone that you did something wrong to, one, I think you're going to show them with your actions, with your deeds, that Jesus has actually changed your life. It will be fruit. It will be evidence that the forgiveness that you have received from God through Jesus has really changed you. It's humbled you. And how could you not, after having received forgiveness like that, then turn and try to be used of God to seek forgiveness in any opportunity where, where maybe you have, have been at fault? It'll give people an amazing picture of humility that in turn reflects our Jesus. Jesus is our standard. You've got a big brother in Jesus, a spiritual big brother that set an example for you in how to live. And he was humbling himself constantly. And so I think as followers of his, for us to humble ourselves and go to people that we may have we may have done wrong to. That would be appropriate. But the second thing that I think it has the possibility of doing when you try to make amends, when you try to ask forgiveness, seek forgiveness, it, it may actually bring healing to that relationship. It might actually be the very thing that God will use to bring healing to that person. Yeah, whether it was a long time ago or just this last week, God can use you just coming into their life and saying, okay, I, I'm, I've just got to be completely honest with you. I, I am aware of something that I said or did that has hurt you. 
And I'm going to take responsibility for that. I am going to own that. But I want to humble myself before you and acknowledge what I've done and ask if you will forgive me. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love those qualifying phrases at the beginning. If it is possible, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Because sometimes it's not possible, right? Sometimes what you did was so long ago that you can't remember, or what you did is so long ago now, distance or time, you wouldn't even know how to get in touch with that person if you tried. Sometimes it's just not possible. But if it is possible, then try to restore a broken relationship. Try to seek forgiveness if it is possible. And then the next phrase was, as far as it depends on you. In other words, you've got your job, God's got his job, and then whoever you're talking to, they've got their job. Your responsibility is just to do your job. In other words, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone means you may go seek the forgiveness of somebody else. You may ask for forgiveness. You may be humble. You may be gentle when you say it and they may not receive it. They may want nothing to do with it. They may hang up the phone. They may slam the door in your face. But that's not your concern. That's not your responsibility. That's between them and the Lord. Your job is to seek forgiveness, to ask for it. Whether they respond appropriately or not, that's really not your responsibility. But when you do, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, try to fix these broken relationships by making amends and seeking forgiveness, I think God loves to heal up those moments. There's this little kid that kept losing his temper. And it was normally directed at his parents. This young guy just kept flaring up. And when he would get angry, then he'd let these words fly. And it would really hurt his parents. And they'd had enough. And they came to their son and they said, son... We can't take this anymore. What you're doing, what you're saying is really hurting us. So what we're going to ask you to do is this. Every single time that you lose your temper and you let those words fly, we're going to ask that you take a hammer and you take a nail and you take a long walk across our giant backyard. You know that big split rail fence we got back out there? Yep. Every time you lose your temper, we want you to take a long walk. We want you to cool down. And we want you to hammer one nail into the fence every single time that you lose your temper. And over the next several months, every single time the kid lost his temper, that's exactly what he did. He took a long walk and he hammered a nail into the split rail fence. A couple of months in and that entire fence was filled up with nails. And pretty soon the kid was tired of taking a long walk. The kid was tired of having to hammer the nail into the fence. And so he started working at holding his temper. He started praying that God would help him in this area. He started asking God to watch the words that would come out of his mouth. And pretty soon he 
he did get a handle on it. And pretty soon he was pretty excited about it. He came to his parents and he said, look, I'm, I think I'm getting a handle on this. And they said, I think, I think you are too. But here's what we want you to do. Every single time now that you hold your temper, every single time you hold your words, we want you to walk out that long, big backyard of ours, and we want you to remove one nail from the fence. And over the next several months, that's what he did. He would hold his temper, he'd watch his words, and he would walk all the way out and he'd pull a nail out of that fence and bring it back to the house. On the last day when he had removed the last nail out of the fence, he was so excited, he ran back to the house, he ran to his parents, and he, he held up that nail and he said, Mom, Dad, look, I, I think I've got a handle on it. I think I've, I've conquered it. It's been a, several months now where I haven't lost my temper. I haven't let the words fly. This is the last nail out of the fence. Aren't you happy? Aren't you proud of me? And they were. They said, Son, we love you so much. We are so happy for you. We can tell a change in your heart. We can tell a change in our home. It's made such a difference. Thank you. Yes, we are proud of you. But real soberly and seriously, they looked at their son and they said, but son, you, you recognize, right, that that fence will never be the same. And a crowd this size, I know that all of us in this room at some point, either intentionally or sometimes something's just slipped, we've done something or said something that has essentially driven a nail into somebody. It's hurt. It's caused damage and it has left a mark. And you may stand here as a follower of Jesus today, freed and forgiven, indeed. And yet, at some point in your past, you, you drove some nails into some people and it, it's still hurting them. It's still poisoning them. And the toxicity that came initially through you is still present in their life. And may, maybe God would call you to seek their forgiveness, to try to make amends, and in so doing be used by God to have that nail that at some point you drove in, when you seek forgiveness, it's like God using you to pull that nail out. When you seek forgiveness, it pulls that nail out of them. I'll tell you, I'll be real honest. I, I don't buy it though, that the fence will never be the same. Yes, you, you may have inflicted some harm. You may have hammered some nails into people. And if you ask for forgiveness and they receive it, you, you have the nails pulled out of their life. They may feel a relief just at, at hearing those words. Will you forgive me? I, I'm sorry. But they also may feel like that fence that's still full of holes. But this is where I think God shows up. When you've done your part in asking for forgiveness and the nail gets removed, the holes that they may have now exposed before you are the very holes that your God and my God loves to fill up with his grace and his love and his mercy. That until that nail gets removed, when you seek forgiveness, 
it's difficult for them to receive the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness that will really truly begin to heal them. And so I don't know who God's got on your mind this morning. It may be somebody from a long time ago. It may be somebody recently. It might be somebody in your family. It might be somebody at work. It might be a friend. It might be your parents. It might be your kids. But some of you need to leave today hearing the words of Jesus that reminds you to seek forgiveness, to initiate some contact. Some of you need to leave here today and pick up the phone and make a call to that person. Some of you need to leave here today and write a letter or an email to that person that you're thinking of. Some of you today might need to make a coffee appointment with someone with whom it's long overdue and just humbly come before them and say, I'm sorry. I want to make whatever I have done right and just get ready. Trust what God's going to do with it. If they receive it, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Would you pray with me? Father, I can't thank you enough for how ready and willing and able you are to forgive us. You just love to remove our sin from us and restore relationships with all mankind. That we can live burden-free and guilt-free that Jesus died to provide that forgiveness and then also to cultivate in us as followers of Jesus a, a heart that is quick to forgive others. God, I can't thank you enough for that. Help us be those people that are quick to forgive. But Father, also, we just ask that you would humble us to the point where we would also seek forgiveness. Humble us to make amends with people where we have been the one that have done something wrong, whether it was before we came into relationship with you or since. Use us to heal people. We don't want to be people that continue to hurt others. So use us as healers. Use us in our humility to restore relationships. Trigger in the minds of these brothers and sisters in here who they may need to reach out for. And then God, would you prepare the hearts of the people on the other end that they would receive that forgiveness and restoration would happen. But if they go and ask for forgiveness and it is not received, God, would you just still get, grant them peace knowing that they have done what is right in your eyes? That they may come back and gather and worship to you knowing that they've done as best as they could where possible as far as it depends on them to live at peace with everyone. Father, we worship you.
and the love that you have for us with everything that we've got. In Jesus' name.